when you get the second semester, then there are a lot of college students who are graduating, and uh, they're all of a sudden they realize, we, wow, I've got to i got to get a job pretty soon. Like in three or four months, I'm looking for something, you know. And so they've many of them already have jobs, and they're looking for things. And one of the things when you look for a job, you want to say, what exactly is expected of me? What, what do you want me to do? I mean, when you, you say, here's this job opening. You go talk to the people, and you say, what, what would be expected? I mean, what, what do I do in this job? What is my responsibility? Well, and, and you know, and, and that's a key, and we we got to do that. Well, sometimes... Uh, you got to realize that's just as true for us as believers. And, and sometimes we don't even ask the question. The question is, what, what are we as believers to do? What is our commission? And if you talk to a lot of people and you say to them, what is the believer's commission? Most of them go, well, I, I, to go to church and maybe tell people about Jesus or something. I mean, we, we don't know. Well, what is our commission? Well, 2 Corinthians 5.20 says we're ambassadors for Christ. He says, therefore, we're ambassadors for Christ as though God were making an appeal through us. We beg you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. We get to do that. Matthew 28, 18 through 20, our commission is to make disciples. It involves two things, evangelism and training. We lead people to Christ, and then we train them and equip them. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That means every one of us in this room, we're supposed to be leading people to Christ and then training them and equipping them. That's what we're supposed to do. Well, this morning, we're going to look at what God told Paul to do. And you could say, well, it, wouldn't it pretty much be what we do? And yeah, in one sense, because he, his job was to tell people about Christ and then, and then uh, train them and equip them. But this morning, we're going to look at the responsibility. It's going to be a little bit different than us because he was an apostle of Jesus Christ. And we not only want to know Paul's commission, but we want to be excited about ours. And so let's think about where we are. Paul's on the way to Damascus. That was the plan. Uh, he was going to arrest those of the new way, this way that these, that's what the believers were called. In the first century, it wasn't until the city of Antioch that the believers were called Christians, which means actually means little Christ. They were supposed to be like Christ, and so they were Christ. Up to this point, they're called the way or this new way. And so Paul was going after them. He hated them. And we talked about this, that uh, most likely Paul was beginning to realize that these people were willing to die for Jesus, who they said was the Messiah. And he would say that he's not willing to die for the law. And so he's actually trying to stop it all. And But on the road to Damascus, he sees Jesus Christ. Jesus, there's a bright flash, and we talked about it last week. We looked at it three different times where Paul, where Acts 9 actually tells what happened, and then later on in 22, chapter 22 and chapter 26, where Paul gives his testimony, he says there was this light that outshone the sun, and it was so bright, and he fell off, his, fell off onto the ground, and uh, basically got, got this great truth, you know, that there's Jesus, and he believed in Jesus, and he goes on into Damascus. And so we said that when he went into Damascus, we, he thought he would come in triumphantly. He came in blind, being led by his hand, and uh, we'll see what happens. Paul had, had, had been set up. God, God had set Paul apart for ministry. It is a ministry of teaching the truths of the word of God. Well, what happened? Well, in Acts 22, I don't, have to, you don't, I don't want you to turn there. Just stay in Acts 9. In Acts uh, chapter 22, Paul tells what happened. He said there was this man named Ananias, and Ananias, God came to Ananias and said, Ananias, and he said, yes, sir. He said, I want you to go and find a man. His name is Saul of Tarsus, and he's been received in a vision that you would come lay hands on him, and he'd be able to see. And Ananias says, well, I've heard a lot of bad things about this guy. And he says, no, you just go because I've got some things for him. Of course, Ananias comes and calls him Brother Saul, 
which means he already knew that, that Saul, Paul, had believed in the Messiah already, and he laid hands on him, and Paul could see. And, and, and so great things happened. That was in Acts. Uh, to, that's where Paul tells about the story. It actually happened in Acts chapter 9 and 10 and all of that part, Act 9. And so what we realize is a Jewish Pharisee, a hater of the new way, was set apart and called by God to proclaim the Son, Jesus Christ, as the Messiah who died and rose again. Now, I talked to you about this, and we're going to see it when we go through Paul's missionary journeys. And every time Paul speaks, every time Paul gives a message that's recorded in the book of Acts, he says, Jesus died and rose again every time. Because that's the gospel message that Jesus died on the cross to pay for sin and rose again to conquer death. That's the message. The response is to what? What's the response? To believe in him. What's the offer? Eternal life. So the message is the death and resurrection of Christ. The response is to believe in him. And the offer is they will receive eternal life. So you're in Acts chapter 9. And I want you to see the commission that was given to him. So this is uh, Ananias. This is Ananias uh, talking and saying, uh, this, go back to verse 13 for a second. In Acts 9, it says, Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard a lot of things about this man, how, he, how much harm to, to, that he did to your saints at Jerusalem. And he has authority from the chief priest to bind all that call upon your name. And the Lord said, now the Lord actually told Ananias Paul's ministry before he told Paul. And look what he says it's going to be. Verse 15, but the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So he has a commission, and the commission is twofold. If you notice carefully, it says he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before who? the Gentiles, the kings, and the son of Israel. His first aspect of his, of his commission is he's going to be a witness of Jesus Christ. He's going to bear the name of Jesus Christ. He's going to tell people about Jesus Christ. And notice it's to Gentiles, kings, and the sons of Israel. So he's going to go to both Jews and Gentiles. Now we're going to see later on that God sets him apart to make sure that he knows his main focus is the Gentile people. He goes to the Jew first. As Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. So Paul would go to the Jew first because it was easiest to go into the synagogues and talk with them. And then usually they would reject and then he would go to the Gentiles. And he considered himself the apostle to the Gentiles. Notice he says, you're going to bear my name before who? The Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel. So not only would he go to the nations and just see the people, but to the kings. But here's the second part. Look at the second part. He will suffer persecution as he lives for Jesus Christ. Notice what he says, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, if you're Paul, you could say, I don't mind the first part. I don't really want the second part, right? How many of you want to suffer for Jesus' sake? I mean, you, we could say, well, okay, I, I'll agree. I'll go and tell people about Jesus, but I don't want to suffer. Well, look at Philippians 1.29. This is to us. It's to the believers at Philippi, but it's to us. For to you, believers, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but to what? But to suffer for his sake. 
Now, in this country for years, we hadn't suffered for anything. It's coming. You've seen it already. It's coming. To stand for Jesus Christ, you're going to suffer one of these days. We're going to suffer. Some things what we teach are going to be considered hate speech. We might even get put in jail because we're given hate speech when we say that Jesus is the only way, that he's the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father that through him. Somebody could say, well, then you're leaving everybody else out. You're being hateful. That's hate speech because you're saying Jesus is the only way. What does the Bible say? Jesus is the only way. We're going to have to teach the Word of God, right? Are we going to stand or not? I mean, it's going to come down to that one of these days. And so here, his commission was what? He said, he's the chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the sons of Israel, and I will show him how much he must suffer. Well, let's get more information. Let's go. Let, let's get the details of the commission, and I want you to go to Acts 26. So you're in Acts 9. Flip over to Acts 26, where you get more information of what God told him. This is Acts chapter 26, beginning about verse 16. We're going to verses 16, 17, and 18. And Paul is telling people what God told him. And he says, I was on the way to Damascus, and I fell off, you know, I fell down, and I heard somebody talking to me in Hebrew, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I said, who are you? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. So did Paul, did Paul see Jesus on the road to Damascus? Yes, he saw him. It's who he is. We're going to see, you know, when people say things like, uh, well, Paul never really actually saw him, saw him. And one of the requirements to be a, a apostle is to see the risen Lord. Well, he saw the risen Lord there, but guess what? He gets into Damascus, and we're going to see this in a future message. He gets to Damascus, and then God takes him to Arabia for three years, and he spends three years with Jesus being taught the truths of the Bible. So Paul knew Jesus. He spent time with him. We'll see it more later. Look at Acts 26. Here's what he says. He says, God told Paul, but get up, stand on your feet. For this purpose, I have appeared to you. Now, here's this fiction. See, what, what, what did he do? What, what is the purpose? What's, what's this purpose? Uh, got it right there. For this purpose, I've appeared to you. And he says, you're going to be two things. You're going to be a minister and a witness. Watch what he says. For this purpose, I have appeared to you to appoint you a minister and a witness. Now, we, we think about those two things. A minister is a servant. A witness is one who proclaims something. So he says, you're going to serve me, and you're going to proclaim the message. And then he gives more details. He says, I have appeared to you to appoint you as a minister and witness, not only to the things which you have seen, but also to the things in which I will appear to you. The past, what had he seen in the past? The risen Lord. He said, you're not only going to witness the fact and tell people that you've seen me and you know who I am, but I'm going to give you more information, but also the things I will appear to you. I'm going to, I'm going to give you more information. Let me ask you a question. At this time, Paul had the whole Old Testament, right? Right? And really none of the New Testament, right? And God's going to give revelation. He ends up writing 13 letters of revelation. Guess what? When Paul died, you now have much more information than he had. When it says that God's going to reveal to Paul information, we could say, golly, I wish God revealed to me information. He did. He gave you the whole book. It's complete. Paul didn't have all this. Paul didn't have 1st, 2nd, 3rd John or Revelation. 
He probably didn't have some of Peter's letters. He probably didn't have Jude's letter. Uh, you know, the very first letter was the book of James in about 45. So he had James, and then probably Matthew and Mark probably were written. He might not have had the Gospel of John. So when, he, when we look at this and we say, wow, God's going to give information to Paul. Wow, I wish he'd give information to me. He'd say, I did. I gave you the whole book. Right? And you know, people say, I wish God would give me something else. So well, when you get this done and you understand this good, then he might give you something else. Right? That, that's the thing. And so notice he says, here's my purpose. I've appointed to you to be a minister and a witness, not only the things which you've seen, but also the things which I'll appear to you. And here's what I'm going to do. Watch. I'm going to rescue you from the Jewish people and from the Gentiles to whom I'm sending you. Did you know until God was through with Paul, nobody could kill him? Do you remember? We're going to see he went to a place called Lystra. And everything was good. In fact, when he went to Lystra, he healed this guy. And they thought, they thought Paul and Barnabas, as Paul and Silas, were gods. Well, no, Paul and Barnabas, they thought they were gods, and they gathered all around, and everything was good, and they stopped. No, 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 we're not gods. We're going to tell you the, new, the true God. Well, some Jewish people came, and they jumped all over him, and they, pulled, and they killed Paul. They actually killed him. It says they stoned him and left him for dead. And I think he died. And I think God raised him from the dead. I think this is when in First Corinthians, or Second Corinthians, when Paul says, I knew a man who was caught up into the third heavens. I think that's when Paul was caught up into the third heavens to see these things that he couldn't tell anybody about. Because it says they gathered around him, they stoned him, basically. They, by the way, you don't leave a guy once you stone him. You make sure they're dead. And then he got up and go, whew, that hurt. You know, that hurt. That, that, whew, that, that was tough. He said, I think I remember what he said, something about suffer for his sake. Have you ever read... Corinthians, when he talks about his suffering, wow. He talks about, I, I love it, First, uh, Second Corinthians 12, he said, I knew this man that was caught up into heaven. Uh, listen to what he says about suffering, just, just so that when we say somebody gives us a bad look, and we go, hmm, they didn't like what I said. Paul says this. I've been imprisoned, beaten times without number, often in danger. Five times I've received lashes, 39 lashes. Five times he was beaten with 39 whips, with a, with a whip with, with metal and bones in it, just ripped your back to pieces. Three times I was beaten with rods. That's like sticks. They beat you. Once I was stoned. We know when that happened. And he's not talking about smoking anything, okay? <laughs> Three times I was shipwrecked. Three times. We know in the book of Acts, we see one time he was shipwrecked, but there were two other times. A day and a night I spent in the deep. In other words, he was in the ocean for a whole day and night. I've been on frequent journey in dangers from the rivers, in dangers from the robbers, in dangers from the countrymen, in dangers from the Gentiles, in dangers in the city, dangers in the wilderness, dangerness on the seas, danger among the, the false brethren. I've, I've labored. I've had sleepless nights, I've been hungry, I've been thirsty, I've been out food, I've been cold, I've been exposed. And apart from all this, all the pressures of the churches. That's what he says. So, what kind of life was that? We say, man, somebody made fun of me. Oh, really? Gee, that's terrible. You want them to take you, take your shirt off, take a whip and beat you 39 times? See how that is. 
Look at the plan again. He says, here's what I'm sending you. I'm sending you to the Gentiles. And watch this. This is so beautiful. To open their eyes so that that, that, that they may turn from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God. Look at this. He's going to send them to the Gentiles. They, they go from darkness to light and from Satan to God. Did you know as an unbeliever you're in the dark and you belong to Satan? You're children of Satan. When you believe in Jesus Christ, you go from darkness to what? To light. And then you become from a child of the devil to a child of God. That's who we are. He says, you're going to get to go to the Gentiles and you're going to turn them. You're going to open their eyes to the truth. They're going to hear the truth and they're going to be persuaded and they're going to believe and you're going to turn them from darkness to light and from the dominion of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance. That's the plan. They get forgiveness of sins and an inheritance which comes by faith. Eternal life, righteousness, and forgiveness all come by faith. So the message was that they would believe. Paul would go into a city, and he'd end up getting with the Gentiles. I, lo- I love it. We're going to see the one. I-, I just have to throw this out. But we- remember, he goes to Athens, and, and, and they have a thousand gods. They have more than a thousand gods. In fact, every home has its own personal god because they didn't want to offend anybody. And they had gods all through everywhere. And Paul is walking around Athens, and he sees a statue, and it said, to the unknown god. And he, goes, and he goes up to Mars Hills, which is the Aragopas, where they would argue all the time and they would fuss. And it actually says they love sitting there and bringing up new things. So Paul comes and he's been telling them that there is a Savior who died and rose again. And they said, we want to hear this seed picker. They call seed picker because it means that, that this guy is like, he's just picking little ideas out of the air. We don't know what this man believes. We want to hear what he's got to say. And so they bring him up to Mars Hill and says, tell us what you've been talking about. And instead of Paul saying, you guys are stupid. You're worshiping false gods. He says, you know what? You're very religious people. And they all went, yeah. He said, and I found a statue that said to the unknown God, I'm here to tell you who that unknown God is. And he told him about Jesus. See, so we got to be ready, right? Be ready to share our faith. He's going to take, they're going to go to the Gentiles, and he's going to open their eyes. How many of us in here are Gentiles? If you're not, you're what? Jewish, okay. So all of us have had our eyes opened, right? It could have, some of it could have been because you read Paul's writings, and he, that God used Paul's, the, the writings of Paul, the scripture, to open your eyes. He gets to proclaim. He says, I, I get to proclaim it. Look at this right here, Ephesians 3 8. To me, Paul says, the least of all the saints. Why is he the least of all the believers? Why? Because he persecuted the church. He says, to me, the least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles what? The unfathomable riches of Christ. We get to go to people. Paul got to go to people and tell them the greatest message of all. Paul said, I get to go to the Gentiles and Peter gets to go to the Jews. I'm going to put up a verse that's a little bit long, but I'm going to read it to you. I just want you to see something. Paul writes this in Galatians and he says, but on the contrary, seeing that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised. Who's the uncircumcised? Gentiles. 
And just as Peter had been to the circumcised. Who's that? Jews. For he who worked at work at Peter in the apostleship to the circumcised, Jews, was at work for me also to the Gentiles. And recognizing the grace that had been given to me, James and Peter and John, that's Cephas, John, who were reputed to be the pillars, gave to me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship so that we would go to the Gentiles and they to the, to the Jews. Paul, Peter to the Jews, Paul to the Gentiles. So Paul, a Jewish scholar, Roman citizenship, brilliant man, who had been a persecutor, has now become the apostle to the Gentiles. And the grace was given to him. Will Varner writes, More than anyone else, Paul is credited with open, opening the door wide for the Gentiles to be saved and to embrace them as brothers and sisters in the family of God. Aren't you glad? Now what happened is, you know that the church began and it was mostly what? Jewish. And then some Gentiles believed. And the Jewish people said, I don't know if we should let these people in. And Peter and James and Paul said, oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. They got to be, they got to be. Man's not justified by the works of law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Christ. That's Galatians 2.15. And so they all come in. And suddenly, the church begins to grow. And the Jews, as a, as a nation, reject. And the Gentiles, as a whole, believe. And so now, today, the church is primarily what? Gentiles. But one of these days, one of these days, the nation of Israel will turn back to God. And as the Bible says, all Israel shall be saved. During the tribulation, God raises up 144,000 Jews. And during that tribulation time period, by the time you get to the end, the nation of Israel as a people group have believed in the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and they call upon the name of the Lord, and he opens up and comes back as the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's what's going to happen. So it's going to happen one of these days. So what is Paul's commission? I mean, it's amazing uh, to go to the Gentiles, to turn them from darkness to light, from the Satan to God, to, to give them forgiveness of sins and that, that they would uh, receive all this. And he's going to the Gentiles and Peter's going to the Jews. What is our commission? Is make disciples. Where, who do we go to? Anybody, yeah, yeah. In fact, remember the Great Commission? And Jesus came out and spoke, saying to them, all the authorities have been given to me in the heaven and earth to go you therefore to and make disciples of all what? Nations. See, people get surprised when they read the Gospel of Matthew, and Jesus tells the disciples not to go to anybody but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. See, they went to the Jews first and offered himself as the King of kings and the Lord of lords to the Jews. They didn't go to the Gentiles at the very beginning. They went to the church. I mean, they went to the, to the Jews. Then at the end, after Jesus dies and rises again, he tells them to go to everybody. Wow. Powerful. You know what we get to do? We get to tell of the grace of God. By grace you say through faith. We get to tell them about the riches of Christ. Wow. We get to tell them that that we have this ministry of reconciliation, how God has brought sinful man, the perfect God has brought sinful man back to himself using his son. What is it? Using his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's it. Over and over. We get to tell people that. So let me ask you this with the time we got left. What kept Paul going? I mean, you know, after about the second time of having your back just torn to pieces, you could say, thank you, but no thanks. Right? 
or being beat with rods three times, or being, you know, and the robbers beat you up. And I mean, just all this stuff that goes on. What kept him going? What kept Paul going? What will keep us going? You know what kept him going? Number one, he knew that Jesus Christ is the Messiah and the Savior. And he represented Jesus Christ. And he spent his whole life from that point on representing Christ. What are we supposed to do? What's going to keep us going in ministry? Who do we represent? Not this church. I don't mean it bad. We do not represent this church. We tell people to come to this church. This is where we gather, and we say, well, we want you to come to our church. But we represent who? Christ, not a church, not a building, not a body, not a... We represent Christ. So that's going to keep us going, is that we represent the living God, Jesus Christ. Second thing, you know what? He had an obligation. Paul said, I'm a debtor to the Jews and to the Greeks. He said, that's why I'm anxious, as it writes in the book of Romans. I'm so anxious to come to see you because I'm a debtor to all people. He realized that God set him apart with this message, and it was his job to do it. And he looked at people and said, they don't know. It's my responsibility to tell them. Do we ever think about it that way? Do we get up in the day and say, when I go to work, there are people there who do not know Christ, uh, it is my responsibility to somehow, as time goes by, to tell them. We don't usually think that way. Our neighbors, we don't usually think that way. Paul said, I have an obligation. I have an obligation. And then the third thing is he was looking for Jesus to come. He wanted to finish the race. Remember at the end, what did he say? I fought the fight. I finished the course. I kept the faith. I did it. I'm ready to die. I'm ready to be offered up as a drink offering. He ran the race. He, Philippians says he's eagerly waiting for the turn, return. Titus says we're looking for the blessed hope and the glorious appearing. What's going to keep us going? Well, that we, Jesus is our Savior, that we've got an obligation, and we're looking for the return of Jesus Christ. Okay, before we break, let me give you some applications, just some things to think about. Number one, let, let's realize our commission. What is our commission? To make disciples, we get to take the message of Jesus Christ to this community. And it, 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 now, there's something that we don't always think about, but we get to proclaim it and what? Suffer. And we don't suffer much here, but we are. We will. We will. It's coming. You know, and we act like it's a big surprise. There are people all over the world that have suffered for years and years and years when they stand for Jesus Christ. You know, we talk to those the people in India, the, those pastors that we support and all that. I talk to them about once a month, do a video thing. They, they're in southern India, and they deal a lot with Hindu people and that. But if they go north to the Muslims, they are killed. They're killed if they go north for proclaiming Jesus Christ. It's coming we get to take the message. We get to proclaim and possibly suffer for his sake. Possibly. Second, let's understand there's only one message that saves. There's only one. Either you believe in Jesus or you don't. When you believe in him, he that believes is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already. Why? Because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. If you, be you believe, you have eternal life. If you reject, you don't have eternal life. There's only one message that saves. That's what Paul's message was. To open their eyes. And third, let's be motivated to serve. Now, we saw those three things, but here's one for us. Let's be looking for the Savior. He could come at any second. So we don't have that much time, right? We don't have that much time. How many of you think that he's coming very soon? I, I do. I do. Of course, everybody throughout history has thought that too, but uh, Paul thought he's coming in his lifetime. 
And he could have. Could he come any second? Yes. Uh, what should we be doing while we're waiting for him to come? Make disciples. That's what we're doing.